0: You are listening to Did You Hear, Did You
1: Hear, Did You Hear, Did You Hear, hear? The Johnson County
0: Library Podcast. We are coming to you
1: from the Central Resource Library
0: in Overland Park, Kansas.
2: This is your Library Insider.
1: We are all systems go ready for launch. There's an astronaut in this episode. Host Dave Carson and Youth Services Librarian Diana Spencer interview astronaut Mike Massimino, Don't miss your chance to meet the astronaut on August 1st.
0: You might have heard that there is an interview with an astronaut in this episode of Did You Hear? Well, you heard right, and we won't keep you from that interview for very long just a couple things right off the top. If this is the first time that you've ever listened to the podcast, thank you so much for checking us out. Please consider subscribing and telling your friends if you like it. Those of you that are returning listeners, welcome back. So who is astronaut Mike Massimino? And just which astronaut is he? Well, he has flown on two different missions, and both were to help repair the Hubble Telescope. On those two missions, he did four different spacewalks to make critical repairs to the uh, telescope. Now, Mike is the senior space advisor to the Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum. He's a professor of mechanical engineering at Columbia University. His book, Spaceman and Astronauts' Unlikely Journey to Unlock the Secrets of the Universe made him a New York Times bestselling author. He's a recurring character on the TV show, The Big Bang Theory. He's the very first person to ever tweet from space. And on top of all of these things, turns out he's a really good interview. Here he is. Well, hi, Mike. Uh, This is Dave Carson. And with me today is Diana Spencer.
1: Hi, Mike.
0: Hi, Diane.
1: Yeah, Diana Spencer.
0: Hi, Diana. So I'm on the web content team, and Diana is a uh, youth services librarian. And we're okay. really excited to talk to you today. So just a real quick personal connection. My my dad served on the Intrepid, and one of the last trainings that they did was to recover the Gemini capsule.
2: In fact, I'm at the Intrepid Museum right now, speaking to you from my desk on the ship where your dad served. So that's pretty cool. But I'm an advisor for space programs here at the Intrepid Museum. And yes, right out my window, I'm on the uh, the, the side of the ship where there is a, a mock-up of the Gemini capsule that they recovered. It was Gemini 1 with uh, John Young and, and Gus Grissom on board that spaceship. And they recovered that ship. That, that spaceship on the ship here at the Intrepid. And that's where I'm speaking to you right now from.
0: Wow that that's amazing well let's uh jump right into the questions then shall we um you've done countless interviews what is the question that you wish someone would ask
2: uh that no one ever has yeah that's a good question i you know i, I what i find is kind of interesting david is that uh i've been asked as you said i've, been, I've done a lot, a lot of interviews interviews and i've been asked almost uh, so many things but every once in a while somebody comes up with something that's uh a little bit different or a little unusual. Um, I, I tend to th- the ones I seem to enjoy are more on the lines of, you know, the, the personal ones actually of of you know, achieving goals or um, how to you know the d- different things are on, on 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 personal on personal struggles maybe of of dealing with f- failure or. or or not, or disappointment, things like that is, is so much a part of, uh, I think, of, of, of anyone's life. And, and those people who have achieved the goal that they're striving for, it, 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 people sometimes see it as being easy, and it's, it's not necessarily. You know, there's there's always everyone has had failure. Any every successful person has had. Failure and disappointment. It's, but the reason they're successful is how they deal with it. And sometimes I, I like I like when I get those those questions, those types of questions. I don't as far as what no one's asking, I don't I don't know. I'm happy to answer anything anybody wants to know. So uh, you can ask for anything you want. Okay, great.
1: All right. Well along those lines, I just want to say that I found your book to be not only impelling but also very perspicacious, I loved your quote about, um, this is ridiculous, this sucks, I'm cold, I'm tired, I'm miserable, Um, why am I doing this? And then how you knew that that was the point of the exercise and that's what made it a total success. And so I really wanna say that I just enjoyed that um, as well. Um, So if, if you could choose anyone to join you in space, who would you pick for your crew and why?
2: Well, you know, the the right answer to that is your family. You know, you'd want to bring my kids and my family and all that. That's what that's what I think would be fun to to have with you, and, and uh, that's what you miss. So you miss some of your friends, some of your friends at home, some of your family members. Um, but I think um, I think I was very happy to go with who I had uh, with with me. Uh, in uh, particular, my second space flight, we uh, we trained together for a very long time, and. Really cared about each other, and some of my greatest friendships were were made that way. So I think um, I think one of the best things about space travel is the people you get to go with and the friendships you develop. And but yeah, I would have been I would have been ha- really happy if I could brought my family with me.
1: That's wonderful, and I'm sure your uh, crew almost starts to feel like family after so long.
2: Yeah, it really it's very interesting. Uh, it, to me, it was like a it's kind of like a hybrid between family and friendship that you have with a crew member and as a re, uh, as, your, as a result uh, some of the strongest bonds i have are with my former crewmates um it's it really is i, I think it makes it, it makes uh uh it, it's the most fun about flying in space is the people you get to go with so um i was very happy with the with the people i got to go with and uh you don't always get to choose exactly who's going to be on the crew, but I was very happy with the way it turned out.
0: That's awesome. Well, so, Mike, what was the hardest thing for you to adjust to once you were in space for the first time?
2: Um, just moving around because you're floating every place and uh, everything's floating, you're floating, all of your things are floating, and you never really experienced anything like that before. And, 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 uh, and you know, no one has when you first get there, it's the first time. And you just kind of feel out of sorts, you know, being able to, to do all these things that seem to be so crazy because everything's floating every place. And you're bouncing all over the place and you're losing things and things are floating away from you. And so it just seems sort of frustrating. But um but want to get used to that.
0: Do uh, the, the efforts to replicate and prepare you for that experience of what you're going to encounter in space, here on the ground does it come close at all
2: See, um, you get trained to do your job really well uh, the, the training for spacewalking for example we we practice that on the water and we're kind of float. we're floating under water when we do that so we get that but, but in the cabin when you're inside the spaceship and you're moving around you get a little bit of training maybe we have a zero gravity airplane that we can do parabolas with and go up and down and as you're going down you're floating in the airplane kind of in free fall and it's similar to weightlessness, but um, but as far as, like, keeping track of your things over a long period of time and learning how to translate around the spaceship, that that takes a little getting used to. All
1: right. Well, um, in your book, you talk about watching The Right Stuff on repeat. Um, what are some other books or movies that inspired you?
2: Um, well, the, the Right Stuff's my favorite movie and book. Um, I also liked uh, the Apollo 13 movie and I'm sorry, did you ask me books or movies? You wanted books.
1: We want both. <laughs>
2: okay, okay, okay. Apollo 13, the movie and the book uh, by my friend Jeff Kluger and Jim Lovell is a great book. Um, I also like uh, uh, Steve Ambrose's books, you know, Band of Brothers. Sure. I really like those books uh, as well. So those are, those are some of my favorites.
1: All right. Um, could you also talk about what you do with any downtime while you're in space? Um, we imagine that there might be time to read a new book or two.
2: Yeah. Um, my missions, though, I was only up there for two weeks at a time. So in my free time, I wanted to enjoy the space environment. I looked out the window. Um, we had a couple days at the end of our mission where the weather was bad in Florida, we couldn't land at the Kennedy Space Center, so they were forced to keep us in space for a couple extra days. And uh, we had nothing on the flight plan, so we were able to do whatever we wanted. Some of my my crewmates wanted to watch movies. Uh, or I wanted to just uh, maybe read a book, but but I, I wanted to look out the window and listen to music, and that's what I did in my free time. On the space station, uh, is a bit different. Astronauts who go there are up there for six months, and they have much more free time than what we had on my missions where we're only on a shuttle for a couple weeks. And so there, I think they develop more hobbies. A lot of them get into photography. They'll do some reading. Uh, you know, they will communicate with, the, with home, of course. But I think that's where you're looking into to developing more hobbies in your free time is on the space station. And it seems like the number one most popular thing to do is take photos of the planet and what, what it is around, around that you're seeing. It is so compelling. Every time you look out the window at planet Earth, is something else extraordinary to look at?
0: Yeah, I can just imagine. Do, do you feel like every form of transportation that you are the type of person that really enjoys looking out the window and and taking in what you are seeing?
2: Yeah, I do. I think, and I think my space experiences made me appreciate more of that. But hey, I do like looking out the window of an airplane or a car or wherever I am traveling or looking at things. It's um, so it's really interesting. I think looking, I especially enjoy when flying, looking out the window. It can be beautiful during a sunset or even in a cloud, it's just really interesting flying over different parts of the country, over different parts of the world, um, and you can you learn a lot from a different perspective. And being up in the air in an airplane even, I, yeah, I really enjoy looking out the, out the window of an airplane or a car when I'm driving around.
0: And you mentioned you were listening to music, so what were you listening to when you are taking in this incredible view of the earth?
2: Um different things. Uh, uh, some music goes really well with what you're looking outside, and looking at and um, I liked uh, listening to Radiohead and to sing U two, some of my, my favorite music. No kidding. And went really well with what I'm seeing outside and also some um, some soundtracks uh from different movies uh dancers with wolves with john barry and, huh. and thomas newman who wrote uh, meet joe black the soundtrack to that i really enjoyed listening to that in space fascinating
0: and so we
2: have you to
0: thank correct for the hubble telescope working is that correct
2: well me and a bunch of other people <laughs> but uh yeah yeah those are my missions and uh and i was lucky enough to be on those two on two of those missions there was five missions to service a telescope I was on the last two of those. So, yeah, me and uh, my friends and all the team that helped us get ready and kept an eye on us are up there. I think we all um, we all share that credit.
0: How, how did that make you feel when you when it was suddenly functioning?
2: Um. Well, uh, I was in the very first repair mission. Um uh, fix the optics. And there was a problem when it first launched. I wasn't on that mission. Okay. Uh, but when we were on my mission, we, we brought back to life a couple of the instruments, a spectrograph and a, and a, uh, a, another, instrument, uh, instrumented survey camera. Um, so I, I, felt really good about that. Particularly that was the most for my, that was my last face walk and it was taking an instrument apart that was never intended to be taken apart. And that's what we uh, we did, and, and it worked successfully. And yeah, look it really is really cool. I, we um, this one instrument is called the Space Telescope Imaging Spectrograph had failed, and uh, we were able to to take it apart and put a new power supply in. And about, I guess it was maybe a year, year and a maybe over a year ago, maybe more like a year and a few months. Uh, a discovery was made of a of a plant of a planetary system. On another star that they thought might be Earth-like planets, and one of the articles mentioned it came from Hubble. But one of the articles mentioned it came from the spectrograph, and that we had we, we uh, that we that we brought back to life. And my spacewalking buddy Mike Good uh, wrote me a note and sent me the link to the article. He says, "Hey Matt, let's take a look at you know the third paragraph. Good thing we didn't break it." <laughs> and so I. Uh, I, I think for those those things, I'm really grateful that we were able to go up there and and uh, and, and do the job we did, so, so that these discoveries are, are all possible.
0: Yeah, the the images are just fantastic, and they they just uh, amaze, and they make you so curious about uh, the galaxy, the universe.
2: Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and I'm I'm glad they're there. I'd be, i feel really badly if I broke the telescope, but well, we didn't have any. i we able to see all this stuff.
0: Right. Well, uh, finally, we ask our patrons uh, if they were able to be so lucky to sit in the very chair that I'm sitting in today and ask you whatever question they wanted to. So uh, we had a number of people submit questions, but uh, here's the best of that. Uh, They ask, when you are weightless in space, do you have a sense of direction? Up, down, left, right, uh, do you have any depth perception when you look out into space?
2: Um, The up, down, that's pretty good because you you, uh, inside the spacecraft it's labeled so you have an idea of where you are as far as you have to get equipment or whatever it might be, but there really is no up and down. Um, and uh, you, 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 if you're in a, you know, in, a in a spaceship, um, there is things that you can read, things or whatever it might be. Uh, they do, there is an up and down to them, but your you know your brain doesn't necessarily. Um, Know all the time which way is up or down because there's no gravity working on you. So your, your vision system tells you to sort of look up and down. Um, when you're out, in, but when you're, when in general, you can get very used to being, being on the ceiling or or having a conversation while standing on the ceiling. After a while, but at first, it's a little bit strange. So particularly, whatever whatever room you're in right now. Say that was a spaceship, and then you launch up into space, and now you're floating in there. And if you were to turn yourself to your right now or on your side to the right or upside down, you would know that you were upside down or you were on the right or the left side. But in space, it says no gravity. Your brain is not perceiving any of that information. And so it's all visual. So what I felt like when I would turn to my right or left, if I would spin myself or spin upside down, I didn't feel like I was upside down. I felt like I was still straight up but that the room had rotated upside down. And that's kind of weird. And that's that's what happened for the first couple of days. And then I got used to it and then it didn't make a difference. Your brain's able to adapt. But at first it's pretty, pretty kooky. So uh, the only way we know up and down is by looking at whatever markings might be on the wall or on a piece of equipment or that we're working with or something like that. Other than that, you can be anywhere you want and, and, You always feel like you're right side up. That is just fascinating. Well, Mike, we really
0: appreciate you taking some time out of your your day to speak with us today. Uh, We have your book on the shelf. Thank you. And I, I know that people are so excited to come hear you talk at our library and so we're looking forward to
2: your visit thanks david and thank you very much dan i'm really looking forward to it as well i appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today
1: thank you bye. we really appreciate it as well
2: okay have a good one mike thank you right. Bye bye.
0: so mike was exactly as advertised he really is a down-to-earth spaceman This is kind of several firsts for us, you know, the first time we've ever interviewed an astronaut, but the first time ever recording online. And so we apologize if there's some digital warbling. Also, if you've ever been on a speakerphone call and you feel like you need to raise your voice because you know that the party on the other line is long distance. Yeah, we kind of fell into that trap, too, but we promise we'll we'll improve. And. If we do improve, just think about all the possibilities. We're looking forward to interviewing all kinds of authors, book illustrators, scientists, artists, all kinds of thinkers out there uh, that we know that you're interested in hearing from. So in the interview, we mentioned that there's an event that Mike will be presenting his unique perspectives on teamwork, innovation, and leadership. That event is called Meet the Astronaut, Mike Massimino, and that is Thursday, August the 1st, 6.30 p.m. to 7.30 p.m. at the Central Resource Library. He is also going to discuss the adventures that he detailed in his book, Spaceman, An Astronaut's Unlikely Journey to Unlock the Secrets of the Universe. So, if you're planning on coming out, and let's say you have kids, you might consider bringing them to a program right beforehand called hands-on outer space. And that is from three to five. We hope to see you there. Did we miss a question you wish we would have asked? Do you have thoughts or stories about today's topic? Share them with us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Library.
1: And now, our Writer's Quote of the Day.
0: Thomas Mayou from the Central Resource Library, Makerspace Facilitator. This quote is from Zero History by William Gibson. When you want to know how things really work, study them when they are coming apart. We leave you with sounds from one of our locations. It's your audio minute we call Library Sen.
1: episodes of Did You Hear?, go to the Johnson County Library website, jocolibrary.org slash didyouhear.